Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to The Wrap on WKXL AM and FM. I'm Paul Hodes. We're here to talk about politics in New Hampshire. My guest this morning for our first segment is Monica Cialfi. Monica is a lawyer who lives in Concord, New Hampshire. She's a longtime reproductive rights activist and served as the president of NARAL Pro-Choice New Hampshire Foundation. Monica, along with other activists and leaders, worked to bring about the defeat of Governor Sununu's first nomination of Gordon McDonald in 2019. Governor Sununu had nominated Gordon McDonald, Attorney General, to serve as the Chief Justice of the New Hampshire Supreme Court, despite the objections of advocates for choice, like Monica, and objections from people who said that Gordon McDonald had never served as a judge. Monica is a former New Hampshire senior assistant attorney general, something I think a designation she and I share because I worked there too many, many years ago. She served as New Hampshire's deputy insurance commissioner and ran the state of New Hampshire employee health plan. She's also served as a senior advisor to Congresswoman Annie Custer. She currently works as a policy advisor for a large nonprofit based in New York City. Fascinating, fascinating background, Monica. And uh, uh, to introduce you briefly to folks on the air, tell us a little bit about your current work, and then we'll delve into the subject of uh, this morning's chat about the Gordon McDonald renomination. Well, thank you, Paul. Thanks for having me, and um, it's great to be here. Thanks for elevating this topic. Uh, it's very timely. Uh, it feels a little bit like Groundhog Day uh, because we're, uh, you know, revisiting topics that, you know, as you just mentioned, were um, uh, were you know considered a year and a half or so ago, but um, but here we are. So it's it's great to be here and talking about the Governor Sununu's renomination of Gordon McDonald. So, um, you know, my work in the reproductive rights area over over many, many years, you know, has been completely as a volunteer. You know, I, I've been active in um, in the movement and in organizations and with other other groups here in New Hampshire. My work in New York City is with a is a private nonprofit uh, company that works to remove barriers to um, uh, to work for individuals who have uh uh, who have experienced, you know, either disabilities or other barriers to, you know, self uh, independence and employment. So it's a it's a multinational, actually, a multi-state uh, um, nonprofit. And uh, I do policy work. I also work in some of the corporate internal corporate services uh, functions for the organization. But it's quite separate <laughs> um, from the work that I spend, like all, all my other time, my free time. Uh, uh, focusing on uh, reproductive rights. So, you know, what the situation has has changed quite a bit uh, mm -hmm. on the political side. 
uh, since the last battle over Gordon McDonald's nomination. Um, uh, the, in the last go round, uh, when uh, the attorney general was appointed, uh, Democrats held a four to one uh, majority on the executive council. Uh, for our listeners who may not who may not know, the executive council is a five member council. Uh, each councilor represents a large swath of the state. And the executive council, among other duties, is responsible for uh, voting on nominations that the governor makes. Um, and now, uh, after the 2020 election, uh, uh, with, with, with all the national news and everything that's going on, but in New Hampshire, uh, the result of the 2020 election was a turnover of the levers of government to Republican control. The Republicans now control the executive council with a four to one Republican majority. They control the state legislature, they control the state Senate and, and the corner office. So, so the, uh, the political environment for the Sununu nomination, which was the first thing he did at the first executive council in the, in the new term was to nominate Gordon McDonald, not having made a nomination of anybody else since the first uh, nomination went down. The political environment's very different. How do you, how do you see that? And, and how do you see the, the job in front of, in front of you and other uh, pro-choice advocates? Well, you're right. I mean, the, the situation in terms of the composition of the council has changed. There was a three to two Democratic majority the last time Gordon McDonald was nominated. And now, as you say, it is a four to one Republican majority. I must spoke, uh, by the way. Previously, there was three to two. Now it's four to one Republican. Exactly. Right. But that's not all that's changed. I mean, that certainly is a different landscape. But what's even uh, you know, more challenging, uh, more concerning, uh, which I think raises the stakes even higher, is what has happened federally, you know, what has happened at the U.S. Supreme Court and who is on that court and the makeup of that court now, uh, as opposed to back in 2019. And so with the loss of our beloved Ruth, uh, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and the appointment of Amy Coney Barrett, we now have, for the, I mean, for the first time in nearly a half a century, uh, we have a, uh, a six to three supermajority of, of justices who have clearly expressed their hostility and antipathy towards reproductive rights. So that's, that is different uh, uh, from a year and a half ago. And that direction, is what makes focus on the executive council's decision that's coming right up uh, all that more consequential. And it is coming right up. Uh, Governor Sununu nominated, renominated Gordon McDonald last Thursday, and I believe the hearing is on January 21st. Uh, so that's less than two weeks away. Uh, and uh, there's some expectation that the vote will be immediately thereafter. So picking up on on your point about the change at the federal level in terms of the Supreme Court, you know, when when justices are nominated for uh, for the Supreme Court, they go before the Senate, they um, are studies in uh, question avoidance or answer yes. avoidance. But generally, 
they all, no matter what their political leanings um, say, we'll, we'll honor precedent. We don't believe in overturning what is settled law, despite my personal opinion. I'm, you know, and so, so generally after, when they're, when they're, they then uh, sit on the Supreme Court and you never know what they're going to do, but they all make the the right kinds of noises about upholding the president precedent and right now uh, roe v wade um uh is 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 the law of the land they've all made the noises about upholding it despite the concerns of uh, women's reproductive rights advocates and others uh that they never mean what they say um, what's what's the connection what's the connection between what may happen at the uh, federal level at the Supreme Court and and New Hampshire. Why are you worried? Yes, uh, great question. And there's a direct link and a direct line. So it's important to think about this. Um, yes, I mean, that it's the question that sort of glossed or evaded or avoided. And in fact, last time when Gordon McDonald was nominated at his hearing, he said exactly, you know, what you're alluding to, that Roe v. Wade is settled law. He recognizes stare decisis follows precedent. End of inquiry. Uh, but that can't be the end of the inquiry anymore, uh, any longer. There needs to be a, a great deal more questioning, not only because of the new makeup that I mentioned, but there is uh, a robust uh, pipeline of cases. There are four cases currently pending at the U.S. Supreme Court, abortion cases, that would either uh, over, overturn Roe entirely or, you know, continue the evisceration process. And there are, you know, close to two dozen uh, cases at the Circuit Court of Appeals so level, abortion cases. Um, so one step away from the U.S. Supreme Court. So there's a there are a ton of cases sort of you know barreling through the federal system, um, headed towards the supermajority that I mentioned. So the answer that uh, that Gordon McDonald provided a year and a half ago is wholly inadequate uh, in light of that. And so. Um, and I guess I want to add to Paul, it's particularly, it's additionally inadequate because he has no judicial record. He has, he has not served on at the district court level, at the superior court level. We have no idea about his judicial philosophies. We have no opinions or cases to read about how he interprets statutes, how we would look at the state constitution. So we know very little about how he will uh, respond when that day comes, when he can no longer even utter the words, I will follow Roe v. Wade, there will be no Roe v. Wade. So what what will you do, Gordon? And, you know, and then the final, you know, leg of the stool, which, you know, we should talk about a little bit is Gordon's personal history, you know, the work that he's been doing uh, over many, many decades. So it's not just that we're pulling some judicial nominee out of a hat and say, how would you handle uh, issues of reproductive rights? How do you view reproductive rights? We're talking about an individual who has a very storied past. So just to, just to put the, a point on it, and then we'll move on to talk about uh, Gordon McDonald's record and his past, is that if uh, one of the cases headed for the United States Supreme Court should result in overturning Roe v. Wade, then it falls to the individual states 
to uh, rule or to deal with the issue of women's reproductive rights. And in that light, um, it, it, the, the nomination of McDonald gains uh, increased importance because of what uh, the concern and danger at, we see at the uh, federal level for overturning Roe v. Wade with a supermajority in numbers of cases coming in, even with a new Democratic administration, it doesn't affect what the United States Supreme Court, an independent body, could do. So here we that throws us back into New Hampshire. We have a governor who has said that he is pro-choice, and we've had um, uh, numerous uh, attorneys and judges who, at least last time around, came came out supporting Gordon McDonald. They said he was a good lawyer, a smart guy, that he meant what he said about respecting precedent, that um, uh, they they were confident he'd be a good he'd be a good judge. And the governor, when his nomination was voted down uh, along party lines. Um, in a fit of pique, refused to to nominate anybody else, and now has renominated Gordon McDonald to be not just a judge on the New Hampshire Supreme Court, but the chief judge, a fellow who's had no judicial experience. But uh, you and other uh, women's reproductive rights advocates see a pattern in in his past. What is it that you see that is so troubling? Well, there's a lot there that's troubling, uh, but I'd like to first go back to the point that you made about the, the states, because it's a really important point, and I'm glad you mentioned it. You know, when Roe v. Wade uh, ceases to be the law of the land, there is no other backup plan at the federal level. And uh, it's unlikely, even with the, the 2020 election, uh, President-elect Joe Biden and, and, and Vice President-elect Kamala Harris Harris have a great deal on their plate. It keeps getting bigger, actually, as the uh, recent events unfold. Uh, changing the makeup of the U.S. Supreme Court is probably not going to be the first priority. And uh, and who knows, uh, you know, in terms of federal legislation. So what happens is, you know, exactly as you mentioned, Paul, it's it will the 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 level of protection, uh, whether it's great or non-existent. Uh, of reproductive rights devolves to the states. And the current situation throughout the 50 states is, is a great roadmap. It's a great indicator of, of what New Hampshire will be facing. There are, there are about you know, 20 states in which uh, abortion will be effectively illegal uh, when Roe v. Wade falls. And there's a much smaller proportion of states, you know, maybe a dozen or so, states like Massachusetts, New York, where protections have been put in place so that when this uh, reversion to the states uh, occurs, there's already, uh, there are already protections in place. Those states have recognized um, a full range of, of reproductive rights, access to contraception all the way to access to abortion. And, um, but in New been, Hampshire- has, I'm sorry, has that been by legislative action? Yes. Yes, I, I think there may be a state or two where uh, courts have recognized protections within their state constitutions. I think the majority of them, Paul, are are um, are a product of legislative action. So here in New Hampshire, there's there's very little. There's really going to be a 
uh, a clean slate for the New Hampshire Supreme Court if, if cases move along. We currently have the parental uh, notification law, uh, but there isn't there is very little other statutory law, and there's certainly no decisional law, case law, about uh, whether uh, our state constitution uh, protects a, a woman's right to choose, or protects the right of privacy to make uh, personal decisions about, you know, bodily autonomy, you know, uh, dignity, integrity, all those kinds of things, equal rights, that part of our state constitution has not been tested. So these are, um, this there is as is a clean slate and who will have an enormous outsized amount of influence on that five member court would, would certainly be the chief justice uh you know gordon mcdonald so what do we know what can we expect uh, what can we find out before uh before he ascends to that position well you know we look at the record so um it, 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 you know it's a it's concerning i mean from back very at the very beginning of his career uh working for u.s senator gordon humphrey all the way up to uh so that's back in the late 80s mid 80s all the way up to 2016 when he was a delegate at the republican national convention for marco rubio and worked for marco rubio senator marco rubio's campaign helped put the platform together the republican party platform and everything in between uh representing the diocese over many, many years, which opposes abortion, of course, in most forms of contraception, uh, helping uh, former Attorney General Kelly Ayotte argue uh, in defense of the unconstitutional parental notification law, uh, you know, throughout. So all of these activities, um, you know, paint the same picture. It's not that he went back and forth. They were continually uh, you know, he was continually putting his his energy, uh, expertise, effort into um, causes that were hostile to reproductive rights. So what what are we to think? Going back to the uh, federal level, uh, if the Supreme Court was to strike down Roe v. Wade or important parts of the constitutional protections afforded under Roe v. Wade. Um, aren't we in a better position federally now than we were uh, a couple of days ago, given that we'll have Biden and Harris at the in the White House? We have, uh, with the results out of Georgia, um, at least nominal control of the Senate. Now, I, I, and I say that knowing that there are some uh, Democratic members of the Senate who may very well uh, not support women's reproductive reproductive rights. And we have a narrow majority in the House with Nancy Pelosi as speaker. Um, so at least over the next two-year period of time, over these next two years, uh, there is a chance that if the Supreme Court does what has, has been the hope of the anti-choice, anti-women's reproductive rights uh, uh, force in this country, uh, that legislatively uh, there could be a federal solution that would step in to uh, reinvigorate the, the provisions of Roe as federal legislation. Is that possible? I don't know. Um, I, I mean, I'm 
there are there are so many uh, competing priorities, as I mentioned, and as you indicate, there are Democrats in the Senate who are not necessarily uh, on the side of, of of reproductive rights. There are you know a, a couple, and we would as you know as you're saying, we would need every single Democrat unless we pick up one or two. Uh, uh, Republican senators. Um, so I, I mean, that's not my line of work. I don't know how to game that out or where that priority would be. Um, there's, uh, you know, it it would it would take some effort, of course, and um, it's not a sure thing. I mean, what we have to look at is what is here and now, um, which is a, a markedly changed situation, uh, a far more uh, precarious. Uh, environment at the state level, and um, and and it could go either way. We don't, you know, New Hampshire is is a purple state, right? And right now we have Republican control in in um, you know in both the House and Senate and in the corner office. So it's who knows what's going to pass. There are definitely pending bills this session at the in the state house that are very troubling and and. Uh, very um, antagonistic, to say the least, to reproductive rights. You know, the, the typical slate is there again. So I think we have to look at at the here and now. I mean, you make a perfectly, absolutely legitimate point that, thank goodness, um, the Democrats uh, hold the seats of power in, in Washington. And we would hope that this, this would be high on the priority list uh, of the new administration. Uh, I think it, it's a it's a question as to everything that the country is facing right now in terms of the pandemic and the economy and uh, the challenges to the republic. Not to you know overstate things. Uh, there's there's um, there's a lot of work to do. Yep. Our focus is here right now. There's an opportunity for executive counselors to press and probe. Uh, I think the the vast, well, the, the majority of New Hampshire citizens support uh, a woman's right to choose. They, uh, a majority of Republicans believe that uh, we should trust women to make the right decisions um, about their uh, about their bodies. So that's that's what we need to focus on and look at. We've been talking with Monica Cialfi, a lawyer, advocate, highly experienced uh, advocate for women's reproductive rights about the situation in New Hampshire with the nomination of Gordon McDonald to be Chief Justice. Folks, stay tuned. There will be more as we head on into 2021. Monica, thanks for joining us.